Warning, the following show doesn't represent the opinion of CIBL, its employees, or the local clown college. Hi, I'm R.N. Raw, and I took a left at the valley. I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists, you know, we don't have non-astrologers and all that, but with the religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen, I call it how I see it. As you feel the power of this fully armed and operational battle station, that is CIVL 101.7 FM, this is Left of the Valley. My name is Kevin, and I am your father. Joining me as usual is the Rebel Scum Team, which will make you forget the time you spent in church. Our only hope of history, Nancy. You must learn the ways of the Force. It's an intro. <laughs> Our Admiral of Fallacy, Tyler. That would be me. <laughs> Our Bounty Hunter friend from CFI, Aaron. He's no Hello. good to be dead. Good to be back. <laughs> Guys, welcome back. Hell of a week and a hell of a show we're going to have today. Sorry, I should really speak into the mic. It works better. Guys, quick chit-chat before we get into the new usual. Anything new and exciting in your week? No, not a thing. Nothing interesting today either. I'll be no, come on. Don't tell me. <laughs> don't tell me your life is as boring as mine. I refuse to believe that. No, today's the highlight of the week, and I've been looking forward to it uh, since last week. Yes, because we have some very special guests. We're going to bring him in very soon. Hey, uh, you know, remember I talked a few weeks ago that I was going to be a judge at a youth film festival? Well, that occurred. So it went very well. That uh, we. Uh, the uh, theme this year was in Maple Ridge. It was looking about stories of change, how to change the local uh, uh, local things that are happening in Maple Ridge. And uh, had a fun time, actually. How many entries did you have? Uh, we had the uh, final four entries. I was uh, to judge the final four, one of the judges for the final four entries. Sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, totally. And uh, it's, it's cool to see kids getting involved in their, uh, their local uh, uh, things that are happening down there. And, of course, this past week, the reason for the intro was because we have May the 4th. Did you guys celebrate May the 4th? May the 4th be with you. <laughs> That's it? That's all you guys have to say? Nope, sorry, Star Trek fan here. Oh, okay, well, fine. And we have, of course, we have a great special guest with us today. Star Trek sucks, by the way. <sighs> Come on. My group is going to hate me when they hear that. Oh, and Doctor Who sucks, too. Oh, now it's on. <laughs> What we're turning to us is a friend of the podcast. He's been on our show before. He is the bane of creationist anywhere and everywhere. He is a must uh, of uh, anybody that know, wants to know anything about atheism. His rawness is in the studio with us, Arn Raw. Hey, Arn. How you do? Don't be talking. Don't be talking smack about Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm in trouble. I'm a huge Firefly fan, if that makes up for it. <laughs> and also, we have his lovely wife, Lelandra, with us. Hi, Lelandra. Hi, thank you for oh. having me. <laughs> oh, it's a pleasure. The pleasure is all ours. And you guys are sticking with us for the rest of the show, so we're going to have a great show today. So, uh, Nancy, we might as well go ahead with our usual, right? You ready Alrighty. to go? I'm always ready. Okay. Uh, Set you up. off for this day in history, as we know by now is a roundup of those events and individuals that altered and illuminated the days between May 2nd to May 8th. And uh, could do a little something different today. Usually I just take off on whatever story um, interests me, but uh, today I'm going to give you a choice. So we'll take a vote. I've got two stories that happened on May 2nd. One is political that has to do with Vancouver. And uh, another one is sort of a legal one that has to do with golf. So Golf? Golf, I know. But it's kind of like baseball. You know it's not going to be dull, right? <laughs> it's not going to be just batting little white balls around. So, okay, who wants a political? Who wants, who wants um, well, golf? Go- golf isn't a sport, so I'm voting for the Vancouver political Vancouver, story. okay. I'm voting for political as well. Sure, go for the political one. Yeah, political Going for the political Let's one. Let's see what Aaron says. Okay, here we go. You would have, and you would have. <laughs> I don't know if Aaron. I don't know if Aaron golfs. <laughs> I know, and you would have loved the golf story. Not until anyway. he's like seventy years the old. Only time, <laughs> the only time I ever had fun on a golf course, I was there well after hours. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's a, that's the best time. Okay, going back to 1969, that was the start of the Don't Make a Wave Committee in Vancouver. And that may not sound uh, familiar to anybody right now, but they changed their name to something that, that will. And we'll, we'll get to the name that they eventually adopted. The beginning started in the late 60s when the United States uh, had an underground nuclear weapons test that they planned on an island uh, in Alaska. And in 1964, an earthquake took place so that the plans caused some concerns and uh, people thought that uh, having an explosion up there might cause a tsunami and uh, ruin the environment. Uh, That didn't happen, but five years later in 1969, um, there was a demonstration of 7,000 people blocking a major U.S.-Canadian border, and that we're very familiar with that border uh, going down to to, uh, Seattle. And people were carrying signs like, don't make a wave, it's your fault if our fault goes. And there were more demonstrations at the U.S. border crossings in Ontario and Quebec. But the protests didn't stop the U.S. from exploding the bomb. And in 1970, Bill Darnell, uh, who chaired the meetings of the Don't Make a Wave Society, decided to use two words that he didn't really realize were going to make a difference. And the two words were green and peace. So um, the U.S. said they would explode the the bomb that would be five times stronger than the initial one. And the group, the Don't Make a Wave uh, Society group, uh, had an expedition. They hired the Phyllis Cormac, which was a halibut signer, uh, and they took the protesters to the testing zone um, on Amachica. I hope I'm saying that right. Amachica? Amachica. Sounds like a gum. Yeah, the expedition... Um, was called Greenpeace One, and they got there and they faced the Navy ship Confidence. They turned back, but it did start a movement, and um, they changed the name to Greenpeace in 1972. And now Greenpeace is in 40 countries and a little over 2.9 million supporters. But it started in started in Vancouver way back, and they they really you know, trying to save the whales ever since. A- ever since, exactly. And the explosion was where again? Alaska. In Alaska. Oh, that explains Sarah Palin, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah it does. <laughs> <laughs> so leaving it, leaving the May Fourth celebration behind. May fifth was Cinco de Mayo in Mexico, and uh, all of us in Texas know at least four good Spanish words, which are "mas cerveza por favor." <laughs> Every May fifth, we get to bring them out. Um, In 1925, on the 5th, um, John T. Scopes was arrested for teaching evolution in Tennessee, and they never repealed that law until uh, close to the 1960s. They finally repealed the law for teaching evolution. It wasn't used, but it remained on the books. Um, May 5th was also National Day of Reason in the U.S., uh, and that day falls the first Thursday of May every year. And it's, uh, it was created by the American Humanist Association and the Washington Area Secular Humanist in 2003. And the reason it was created was as a response to the perceived unconstitutionality of the National Day of Prayer. So according to the organizers of the National Day of Reason, uh, the National Day of Prayer violates the First Amendment of the Constitution because it asks federal, state, and local government uh, to set aside tax dollars to support a time and space to engage in religious ceremonies. So I hope they have a good, uh, I hope they had a, a, a good celebration on the 5th. May 6th was Teacher's Day in Jamaica, and on that day was the Hindenburg Disaster. Anybody remember the the Hindenburg disaster? Not well, personally, no, yeah. except me. I was a little bit before my time. Yeah, it was a little bit <laughs> just a before the time. But um, a lot of people who who weren't there uh, remember it because there was an audio and a visual made of it that's, that's quite famous. Quite off. Quite, quite famous. famous. Yeah, uh, in Lakehurst, New Jersey. Uh, May seventh was Dien Bien Phu Victory Day in uh, Vietnam, and also today is the running of the Kentucky Derby Day, the Run for the Roses. Anybody have any interest in the Run for the Roses today? Is that a horse race? Yeah, the horses. Uh, there are uh, More Spirit, Nyquist, and Exaggerator, and Mohammed. So they started to run it too, and I just knows? love the names of these. Horses. I do too. <laughs> I get interested. Yeah, you you pick the winner because they got the best name. Right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, also on this date, eighteen eighty eight, um, George Eastman patented the Kodak box camera, 
and they called it the Codex because George Codex's mother loved words that had K's in them. She thought they were very powerful words. Of course. That's where they came from. That's why my so, name is Kevin, right? That's so, exactly. <laughs> oh, ring that bell, buddy. <laughs> okay. May 8th. Um, Victory in Europe Day and Mother's Day. So we want to wish a very happy Mother's Day. Yes. Uh, all the mothers out there. All the mothers and all the fathers that help make them mothers as well. Um, and May 8th in 1886, that's when Jacob's Pharmacy in Atlanta sold the first Coca-Cola, which was so named because it contained cocaine. Cocaine. That's right. Yeah. And the last um, item in, was in 2014. It was a publication uh, of a book called From Eve to Evolution by a lovely young lady named Kimberly Hamlin. And this is a book I really want to read. She's an associate professor of American studies at Miami University, not in Florida, but in Oxford, Ohio. And uh, she uh, did a book that provides the first full-length study of American women's responses to evolutionary theory, and it illuminates the role science played in the 19th century women's rights. So Elizabeth Cady Stanton, Margaret Sanger, and other lesser-known but very important women are part of that book. So anybody that is interested in evolution and women's movement, that's the book for you. And that, dear listeners, brings to a close another passing parade of interesting, mundane, unusual, and occasionally bizarre events and people that make up this day in history. And you would have loved the golf story. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to hear it now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you, Nancy. Thank you so much. I wanted to comment on what she said about Tennessee. Uh-oh. Yeah. Because, You're in trouble yeah, they, now. They never repealed the law, you know, but uh, what they did do is that Tennessee is one of two states in the United States where they found lo- legal loopholes to teach creationism as if it were real. Yeah, statewide in public schools. They do not celebrate the Day of Reason, but of course they celebrate the Day of Prayer. Do yeah. they do that in, in Louisiana and or Mississippi as well? or just Louisiana is the other state they where they teach Louisiana. full-on yeah, creationism, right. yeah. I know, they're just, um, can't use the word on radio, but we'll all think it. <laughs> so, so the Dover, Pennsylvania trial didn't really have an impact on that or what? Well, instead of even admitting that they lost that case, what they did was they, they found loopholes all across the country in the various states' laws so that it's not just in Louisiana and Tennessee, but there are many states. There are thousands of schools across the country that will not teach evolution. There already, there already were, but now there are thousands of schools across the country that teach you know, biblical history or biblical literalism in one sense or another. They either teach it in biblical studies class or comparative literature or whatever, but they found ways of teaching it as if it were real. So these lessons have been shown to, sh- to include uh, denigration of other religions, anti-Semitism. Uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, rejection of science, of course, and, of course, uh, instilling right-wing religious or right-wing political views, which is what I think the whole thing was all about to begin with. Is that before or after their astrology class? According to Michael Behe, <laughs> creationism is just as valid as astrology. There were so. some other other Republicans that made similar comments where they, they didn't realize that there was evidence behind the evolution perspective. So they, one, uh, one uh, senator in one state, I can't remember which, said that, um, that evolution was just like any other religion because it was just uh, pulled out of the air. Oh, really? Just like any other religion, he said. So he's admitting that his own religion is pulled out of the air. In other words, made up completely out of nothing. What do you think? So science is just some kind of dehumidifier, or just pulls stuff right out of the air and condenses it, and just come up with some kind of product? Well, they're not. They're they're not aware of uh, of evidence based thinking. They don't have any idea how an hypothesis works or you know, what the scientific method is. They really do think that everything that you believe is just a matter of faith. Oh, jeez, <laughs> that's awesome. And we'll get more into this right after this. We'll be right back. What is secular humanism? Critical thinking. Knowledge is freedom. Freedom from ignorance and its offspring, fear. The BC Humanist Association has been active in the Vancouver area for over 25 years. We offer a friendly and welcoming place to make new friends, as well as free educational lectures. We invite you to join us any Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Oak Ridge Senior Centre. Please visit our website for more details, bchumanist.ca. You are listening to CIVL 101.7 FM at the University of the Fraser Valley's Abbotsford campus, serving the surrounding communities of Abbotsford Mission and Chilliwack, British Columbia. 
Email us at info at civl.ca. Follow us on Facebook. Click like on CIVL Radio. Follow CIVL on Twitter at CIVL underscore radio. Are you ready to make it stop? Canada has the highest rates of Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis in the world, and the diseases are on the rise in kids under 10. Join Crohn's and Colitis Canada on Sunday, June 5th for the Gutsy Walk at over 60 community walks across Canada. It's time to stop the pain, stop the surgeries, stop the missed moments. Sunday, June 5th, show you've got the guts to make it stop. Register today at gutsywalk.ca. And we're back. And that was just for you. Because <laughs> I know you like these guys. <laughs> and he's shaking his head. Welcome back to the Fraser Valley R and Lolandro, of course. Both of you. Thank you very much. And you know, a lot of most of our audience knows who you guys are. But since we're new to CIVL and we have a bit of a new audience as well, some of them might not. So would you be so kind to give us the reader's digest? The big headlines of who you guys are and what are you doing? All right. Well, my name is Aaron Ra. I'm Texas State Director of American Atheists. I'm a, pu- a professional now, um, uh, activist of sorts, advocating for science, uh, reason, and science education. Our primary um, opponents are the political factions and education facilities that try to uh, undermine science, sex, and social studies by infiltrating it with religious propaganda. Republicans. <coughs> <laughs> That in a summary statement, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you like us? You don't like conservatives all that much, huh? <laughs> Not too I, fun. I, I can't say that I've ever been anywhere remotely uh, conservative. No, I've I, I've always felt like, uh, you know, how they now present the the, the one percenters as being the, the top echelon, the millionaire and billionaire class. Well, mm-hmm. back in my day when I was a kid, the one percenters referred to like the Hell's Angels part. You know, the, the, the people like that. They were they were the extreme limited of society you know and they were called the one percenters and that's what more the way i always identified myself i i never felt like you know the leave it to beaver group no that's those are not real people <laughs> that's true yeah. that's true who names their kid beaver anyway <laughs> <laughs> is that an american thing we don't understand this in canada how about yourself dear um i'm i assist with arn's the projects. woman behind the man the woman that keeps him in check we, I write uh, his living science videos, uh, scripts. I am a science teacher, and I teach science uh, science teachers now how to use their curriculum. And we decided we needed to do this because, as my experiences as a teacher, a lot of science teachers uh, don't have a real good in depth uh, understanding of science, even if they aren't creationists in America. And so we decided to make. Uh, Ten-minute introductory lessons, so that uh, so that the teachers could uh, start off the lesson right and uh, be be correlated with the national uh, science standards. Those are fantastic videos, by the way. Kudos to both of you. And I must say, they are crammed with information. I mean, sometimes you have to you you listen to this and you say, "Wait a minute, I got to go back and listen a bit more because it's so much stuff." And my little puny brain has a hard time keeping up with it. We have to limit them to ten minutes because a lot of districts have a ten-minute video limit because they don't want teachers just plugging in movies every day. <laughs> so that's why they're so crammed. Yeah, they got to underkeep. <laughs> that and we do cover the things that the children are supposed to be tested on anyway. So what we've seen is, you know, we know that that evolution is an integral part of biology, but there's a lot of biology lessons that that should include it but aren't normally including that in the the regular lessons that you get in public school. So we make videos where we are addressing the things that the children are going to be tested on in every uh, biological aspect in middle school and high school, but where we get to those lessons where evolution should be included or where there are aspects of it have to be explained, we make sure to include those, including things like endosymbiosis and a number of other related topics, abiogenesis and such. uh, Now, if somebody can, can find those videos on YouTube, right? And what, what are they named again? Oh, we have a special channel set up just as a playlist for those, and that's Living Science Videos, or Living, living Science Lessons, Living I think S- it is. Uh, Science Lessons. Perfect. Excellent. And you guys are sticking with us for the rest of the show. That's awesome. So we'll go into our usual, our uh, funny humor segment, I guess. Another brilliant moment brought to you by religion. Ah, uh, the weird and wacky world of religion. Did you guys hear... 
there's a lot of things going down in the States uh, that um, you heard of Target, the store? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We used to have Target, but they bailed after a year. <laughs> yeah, they bailed after a year here in Canada. Well, they've uh, decided to, uh, there's a lot of talk about the transgender down there, and their states are bringing up laws to stop the threat of transgendered people somehow. <laughs> so this is funny. This is from uh, Patheos. Christian activists are testing Target by sending men into women's room. So they're creating a problem where none exists, obviously. Christian activists send men into women's bathroom in an attempt to sabotage Target's transgender-inclusive restroom policy. This is Right Room Wash. I report that Christian activists associated with the American Family Association. You've heard of them, I'm sure, sure. I guess they're formally recognized as a hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center. This gets better and better. <laughs> have been testing, quote-unquote, Target's transgender-inclusive policy by sending men into women's restroom. In a recent interview with... Breitbart News Daily. Sandy Rios, Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association, spoke out against Target's transgender inclusive bathroom policy. Her group, the American Family Association, is a Christian hate group, just like you said, look at that, that promotes propaganda and hate speech against the LGBT people while pretending to protect children. More than one million people have signed a petition sponsored by the American Family Association promoting boycott Target because of new transgender inclusive bathroom policy. Now, my question is, of course, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Isn't this, aren't they like, I don't know, they're kind of creating the problem? Well, yeah, absolutely, because you know what a, you know what a transgender woman looks like? Like a woman? Very often, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I would feel a little strange standing at the urinal with a woman standing next to me at the next urinal, I, you know, just personally. <laughs> but, I mean, seriously, when you look at, like, uh, trans men, for example, I mean, they look like men. You know, yeah. the tattoos, the beards, the, the heavy muscles and all like this. Is, this. is this really the people you want to force to use the ladies' room? Apparently. I would think not. I mean, I, I think it just makes sense. If you look like a man, use the men's room. You know, it, it, it just makes it easy on everybody. I realize there's more subtle nuances than I'm probably thinking about at the moment. You know, I'm just thinking about the obvious. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I mean, it's, it, it, it goes along with some of the other things that the right-wingers do, is that there is no problem. So they create a solution that is based on their extreme religious views, and then they make up a problem to justify the solution that they just came up with, because now they have to have, you know, this problem. There, there are no problems in the, in the bathrooms. There's no recorded, documented case of, uh, of anybody. So now what are they going to do? Are they going to create a whole new career for people to be gender cops and go in and, and feel everybody's genitals to make sure they're in the proper bathroom? Well, that, that's exactly what they're, what they're talking about right now. They're sending people in just to disrupt people, as if you're going to have that many transgender people in, in the restrooms anyway. And besides, when your male cop is going into the ladies' room, is he not going to miss all the, 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 the transgendered men that are in the men's room? Yeah, who knows? So you're going to be talking about the the religious uh, idiocy in the news. Let's bring up the Duggars, for example. You, oh you, boy! You, you remember the Duggars? These are the ones where you know you can get out of uh, being prosecuted for molesting your baby sisters as long as you say that Jesus has forgiven you. Because it doesn't matter if the federal government has forgiven you or if the police have forgiven you. You can avoid prosecution that way. It certainly doesn't matter if your your sisters have forgiven you as long as their commandant Jesus has forgiven. But now what they've got is something really special. If you didn't think the Duggars were creepy enough already, they've set up a resort so that uh, Christian men can go and trade their daughters as uh, as as brides, child brides. Ooh. Oh yeah, the arranged so, marriage thing. Yeah, because you know, with, with religion, you know, religion permits you to have sex with male children, but you can only marry the female ones. <laughs> good one. Good one. So, do they can they can they be auctioned off or just swapped? I mean, I want to know what kind of a flea market this is. For Maybe you use bitcoins or well, something. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm at this at this point. I'm really glad that I don't know the specific oh. details of the arrangements. <laughs> I, I don't. I wouldn't want anybody to think I'd been looking into it with interest. No. <laughs> so I can get my own Aisha. <laughs> exactly. Oh. Man. Oh God, <laughs> that was pretty good. Okay, so for the uh, the whole uh, transgender thing, that article you were reading, Kevin's from Patheos, right? Yes, that's right. Is that the same one that says more Republican candidates have been convicted of sex crimes in public bathrooms than transgenders? I believe it does say that l later on. Well, in the article, I, yeah. then we should have separate bathrooms for Republicans. I'm all in favor <laughs> of that. So you're saying on the door instead of a little man or a little woman, you have like an elephant? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Well, and, and same thing with, like, should we have separate bathrooms for homosexuals? We already have had, you know, gay guys going into, you know, public washrooms and you're a pedophile. You know what? They kicked them out. <laughs> See, I remember I went to the American Atheist National Convention in Salt Lake City, Utah, and they just put uh, signs on all the bathroom doors saying, whichever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's the funny thing about it because, you know, in your own no. home, uh, a bathroom is uh, transgendered anyway. Well, well not transgendered. Well, unisex. Uh, anyway. Not mine. Mine has a urinal. That's it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what about porta potties? Right? Porta potties? You have a porta potty in your house. Well, yeah, I wish. But, you know, here's another thing. Okay, we, we were in, in Europe recently. Okay, I mean, a French restaurant. Go into the, you know, what I'm expecting, the, the restroom, which is actually not what Americans think it is because nobody rests there. And it's not a toilet. It, it, it's not a bathroom either because nobody bathes there. It's actually called a toilet where American thinks that the toilet is the thing you sit on. But it's not. But anyway, sidetracking. I get into, heading into the, you know, the men's and ladies room area. There's a urinal next to the door marked ladies. And on the other side of the ladies room is the men's room. So the ladies have to get to the ladies' room by passing the men at the urinal. <laughs> okay, there we go. We just knock down the wall between them and call it good. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if you're in the ladies' room, everything is in a stall anyway. Hmm. What difference does it make? Really, I think that the, the distinction between the ladies' rooms and the men's room is really nothing more than so that women can escape their date for a moment of privacy, <laughs> right? You that's just right. They go to powder, powder their nose. Yeah, well, that's that's exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, a, a little bit of last-minute makeup maintenance, something like that, where they don't want their date to join them. I think that's that's it, right? It is. It's a restroom. I mean, who the hell molests somebody in a restroom, right? Republicans. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Republicans, I wanted to tell this story. Like, there's already been two cases where a man followed a, a woman in who she, who he thought was transgender to make sure that she's using the right bathroom. And there's already been someone, a uh, woman, who uh, went to the restroom and a woman was peering in between the cracks and between the stall to make sure that she wasn't transgendered. So uh, that is like people molesting other people because when I'm going to the bathroom, the last thing I want is people inspecting my genitalia. <laughs> you know, so... I mean, before they, uh, I think uh, a lot of transgendered people were using their, the, the bathroom that the of the gender, that that they identify as, and nobody, it wasn't a big deal, and nobody was getting raped, and and what about the children? And uh, there, it's, it's just a whole bunch of like, uh, I think it's something for paranoid people to grasp on and uh, find a reason to hassle other people with. I mean, ideally, if I were to walk into a ladies' room looking as I do and use the stall, I would expect that, the, the, honestly, I would. I, previous to this event, this fiasco, I would have expected that if I walked into a ladies' room and used one of the stalls and the women knew that I were there, you know, I would not expect to see any kind of a prosecution or the police being involved or anything like that if I'm just in there to use the, per, you know, for its intended purpose. You generally don't get the police called on you until you do something to warrant that, you know. I mean... And this is where he was talking about the, the, the Republicans actually do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what are the chances you think it's going to be overturned in, in North Carolina? Pretty good? Well, there's a whole lot of, uh, of uh, responses or protests. You know, there's a lot of different bands that, uh, like, um, what's his name now? I can't remember. The Boss. Uh, Bruce, Bruce Springsteen. Springsteen. Yeah, he, he decided he wasn't going to do his concert there. And, and, and NASCAR. So was Brian Adams. Yeah, NASCAR pulled out to decided they weren't going to do their, their event there. And Nickelback threatened to do a concert there if they did. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. I think it's going to be overturned. Maybe not immediately, but I think it's going to be overturned. But then it's going to be replaced with something even more odious. <laughs> Who knows what? You know, it, there's, it gets to a point where you have to wonder, I mean, just how, how much more ridiculous can we be? You know, and we, we're finding the most piddly-ass things to get upset about. Yeah, and we don't look at the big picture at all, which is really frustrating. Really. Nobody has a, has a concept of what's really important, and they make up all of this other nonsense. And so I see that we keep swinging you know, further and further to the right. We get to a point where we're either going to start swinging back, which I think is what we're going to do. I mean, Bernie Sanders is an indication that we're, we're trying to swing back, right? Or we get to the point where we're going to go off the chain, and that will happen if we elect Trump. Which is, as we speak, is actually in Linden right now. So, <laughs> and if he gets elected, we're going to build a wall, right? <laughs> That's right. 
Well, that's what he said. He said he would build a wall across Canada, the Canadian border, and get the Canadians to pay for it. Good luck, Donald. Very good luck. <laughs> this man is not actually going to do anything. He is a complete incompetent. He is all mouth. He has no idea what a policy is. Wolf works out. We'll work out something. That I can tell you. <laughs> and it'll be great. It'll be great. That I can tell you. It'll be great. I saw something, the link or whatever, saying that Canadians have invited the Americans who want to leave after he gets elected to come live here. <laughs> Apparently there was an influx of a few thousand extra visa applications after the Bush was re-elected. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to Left of the Valley, where we're not afraid to talk about politics or toilets. <laughs> <laughs> re-elected? I didn't know he was elected the first time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and for any Americans listening in, my wife and I have been to 20 countries in the last 14 months. And in each place that we go to, we, we ask, you know, would you live here if we were going to move out of the United States? And every place has its own little charm and little things to consider. But on the whole, no, we, we hadn't decided that we wanted to move to any other place. But we, we came here, Vancouver. And we both loved it here. And, and you're in Abbotsford, so we want you to move here. Leave <laughs> <laughs> Abbotsford in the rearview mirror. This is where you are. <laughs> uh, she uh, also fell in love with Toronto, Calgary, and Edmonton. So uh, I see, I knew there was something wrong with her. Cold, <laughs> cold, cold, <laughs> and cold. Try, try it in February. <laughs> Planes go back and forth every day. We'd no be more problem. than happy to have both of you stay here Absolutely. permanently. Isn't Calgary like our Texas? Somebody said that yeah, on one of our much. shows. It yeah. pretty much is. All right, guys, we'll be right back right after this. Hi, I'm the Supreme Irreverend Dr. Randy Tyson from the Legion of Reason Diversion. Join me and my co-hosts, Christine Shelska, Twyla, and Nate Phelps, as we explore issues at the intersection of atheism, humanism, and skepticism. Topics range from alternative medicine to the interference of religion in public policy. We often have special guests to help us understand the topic du jour. Previous guests include biologist Jerry Coyne, ex-Muslim author Ali Rizvi, philosopher Peter Bogosian, and the late physicist Victor Stanger. You can watch us on the Legion of Reason YouTube channel or subscribe to the audio version through your favorite podcatcher such as iTunes or Stitcher. And don't forget to like the Legion of Reason Facebook page. You are listening to Left at the Valley on CIBL 101.7 FM. And we're back with his rawness, Arn Raw, and the lovely Lilandra that came all the way from Texas to be here in the valley with us. Arn, I gotta ask you, before we go on, um, there's been some interesting developments here, and uh, the BC humanists have been uh, talking about this for a while, about uh, Gideon's Bibles being distributed to grade 5 students in our uh, elementary schools. You guys still face that kind of uh, fight down in uh, Texas? Uh, we don't have that fight, no, where they're not passing out Bibles to uh, to children that young. Um, and it's a too bad, too, because I, I advocate that every Christian should read their Bible, really, actually read the damn thing. But because then they wouldn't be Christians anymore. Exactly, because the number one reason that all the uh, ex-Christian apostates state for why they lost their faith was when they read the Bible. So I strongly encourage that they do so. All I ever hear is, yeah, we believe in the Bible. Sure, yeah, what does it say? I ain't got an idea. <laughs> yeah, they've never cracked it open. They think it's the Word of God. They think it's divine wisdom. And I guess they're just that afraid of wisdom that they won't even open the book. Yeah, it's, 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 so, it's so ironic. I was even having this argument with my own mother, who was actually quite Christian. Uh, she's Catholic, actually, and uh, which is pretty much the same thing. And uh, she was, she, I was telling her, you know, you, you believe that at the end of your life, there's going to be a bit of a test. You know, you, you, you think you're going to be tested on your life, and yet the manual, the instruction manual, is on your coffee table, and you've never even read it. That, and it doesn't serve as an instruction manual either. I mean, seriously, I mean, there's nothing in the Bible that actually tells you how you're supposed to live your life. It tells you how a bunch of other people lived theirs wrong, and it doesn't give you an idea of how you're supposed to correct that, and it yet praises the most insidious nastiness that you can imagine. If anybody were to use the Bible as a moral guide, they would be a criminal in every country on this planet. Hmm. Yeah, very, very well said. 
Uh, it's so amazing to to hear that. I, I was quite surprised by the uh, the fact that you said you don't have that fight, because I believe here in Abbotsford, actually, I believe it's still the only school district that still allows uh, Bible distribution in the country. And yeah, Canada as a whole, uh, compared to the States, we're much less religious than the U.S. are. Well, don't you remember that thing I showed you, Kevin, when we had Ian Bushfield on the show? The Supreme Court in the United States already decided it's unconstitutional. They're way ahead of us. That's right. That's right. Jeez, they're ahead of us. And so besides, you know, American Christianity doesn't work like that. They don't give people individuals the Bible and let them figure it out for themselves. They're supposed to listen to what the authority tells them that it says, which is how they got the idea that the serpent in the garden is supposed to be Satan, because the Bible doesn't actually say that. That's just a human interpretation, and it really doesn't say that at any point. People say, well, you know, in that one point in Revelations, it says, you know, the devil is that old serpent. Yeah, but he doesn't mean that he's that old serpent, not the one from the Genesis. So how do you know that the the serpent, the story, the character in the story in the first part of the book is that is you know that you're going to go to that reference in the very last chapter of the book and think that it's talking about the same thing? Well, go to the middle of the book. There you have Jesus saying that the Pharisees are all the sons of Satan and that they're a pack of serpents at the same time. Does that mean that they're all the devil as well? If you're going to read it literally, if you're going to read it according to that logic, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I know Lucifer gets such a bad rap, eh? How many people did he kill compared to Yahweh? Yeah, he, he killed ten people, and this is because God told him to. Job, right? Yes. No. And and then God used the excuse that the devil made me do it. And he killed thousands of people, not to mention the entire world, other than <laughs> Noah. Who's the bad guy? Yeah, and he sent the serpent. Well, it was his idea. He punished a serpent, right? He punished a yeah, serpent well, by taking his legs off and everything. Oh, okay, so exactly. So how could the serpent be Satan? If, 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 if we get the very first story of the book, we get the serpent is doomed from that point on to uh, crawl around on his belly. And then the first time we see Satan mentioned by name, he's walking. He's walking around and chatting with God as if they never had a falling out. So th- by this alone, we know that the Satan, you know, Satan is not the, the serpent of the garden. The serpent of the garden is literally based on the, uh, the, the serpent who could not be tamed from the Epic of Gilgamesh. Because this little tale of Adam and Eve is a, it's itself a conglomeration of a handful of other tales from other mythos that are far older than the Bible. There's a little comic on Facebook I came across the other day where Eve goes to eat the fruit and Adam's like, hey, no, no, put that down. And then he kills the snake and eats it and it says, problem solved. <laughs> 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 well, you, okay, so you guys don't have this Gideon thing and the Supreme Court has decided that it was unconstitutional for the U.S. in the U.S. to have the, these Bible distributed to kids. But you guys do have a bit of a substantial issue with creationism. Yeah, they they want to instill religion in in everything. There are says that, that there's thousands of schools that are teaching the Bible as if it's historic and scientific fact, which is a very disturbing thing to me since there is absolutely no truth in it. And I was really happy. That, I was I was very proud that I I was in Ireland a while back and I was on one of their national radio stations and Ireland has a blasphemy law, so I was tickled that they they put put me next to a a Catholic. Uh, teacher you know some kind of a, a leader of catholic sc- studies or whatever and i told this guy on live radio in ireland with a blasphemy line, i said that the reason that the bible has been proven wrong in every testable claim that it makes is because it was written by ignorant bigoted savages who had no idea what they were talking about Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> you're awesome <laughs> Aaron, I, I hate to break the news to you but we actually have blasphemy laws here in canada too <laughs> come get me <laughs> 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 they just—they haven't been implemented in like over seventy years, so I think we're okay. <laughs> Until today. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't know where to go with this. So we ask Okay, <laughs> but what about cutting off public funding? Because my understanding is that a lot of the creationist schools are being publicly government funded, and that's just ridiculous. A lot of that is actually coming from charter, uh, from their their. What it was it, vouchers? Yeah, they're, they're the voucher program where they, they take money that's supposed to go to the public schools and they reroute that to private schools and charter schools. And the oh, charter the Milton Friedman way, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the charter schools can't be regulated properly and they are prone to corruption and most of the, char- the private schools are fundamentalist Christian schools. So what and so they're not improving anybody's education in either case, but what's happening is that these privileged kids are being moved to these other schools uh, along with their money. 
and then, then the public schools are left with the regular populace, which means they're also underfunded now. So they have all of these other kids, and they're not the privileged kids, and they don't have addition, they don't have all the funding anymore, which causes a strain such that the public schools fare uh, below par. Now, our previous governor was determined to get rid of public schools altogether. Our, our, our state constitution says that we're supposed to provide a free education to every well, citizen. Hold but on, your, your previous governor, that was uh, Perry, right? Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah, Rick Perry. So, that, you know, anyway, uh, this guy, who's supposedly under indictment, but I, you know, he'll never be, he'll never be incarcerated. But anyway, he was wanting to get rid of public schools, and the only way to do that because of our constitution was to show that the schools don't perform, and therefore we need a constitutional amendment so that we no longer have public schools. But the only way to to show that is you make the schools not be able to perform, and the voucher system is doing that. So it's ruining everybody's education, and then on top of that, he cut the funding for public education in half. Wow! So he cut it from nine billion to five billion, and it was going to be lower, but we had some heroic people in the Senate that fought against it. You know, we actually have a clip of uh, Rick Perry and uh, his plan for destroying the schools. You want to hear? Sure. Crush your enemies. See them driven before you, and they hear the lamentation of the women. That is <laughs> That's 100% genuine. Yeah, that is not his accent. <laughs> <laughs> it might be if you woke him up at 2 o'clock in the morning. With Rick Perry, it's so hard to tell. <laughs> Where is Rick Perry now? He's, a, he's still uh, under trial? Yes, he is. Oh, yeah, so, so far as I know, I haven't heard an update in a while, and I haven't been looking into it, but I was uh, curious. I'm going to start looking him up again because I'd like to see what happens. But you know, we, our politicians never see jail time. I mean, look at this guy that was that was uh, one of the, the state senators in Tennessee or somewhere somewhere in one of the southern states. He was once advocating that child molesters should be imprisoned for life, life sentence automatically for child molesters. And then he himself is convicted of a string of child molestation charges. Isn't the what the irony, right? So then he serves, he gets sentenced to fifteen months. Yeah. That's the best uh, uh, term that money could buy, I guess. At the <laughs> best sentence that money could buy. Well, you know, okay. the, the, the rich get a different uh, a different arrangement okay. than everybody else. Well, I gotta I gotta ask you since we've just turned into politics, I gotta ask you about your your thoughts on the incredibly um, how do I say that uh, high spirited presidential race you guys are having right now. And uh, on behalf of Canada, thank you for the show. It's a wonderful show to watch. Very entertaining. It's I laugh very entertaining. All the time. And you know, the more we see their politicians, the more we're thankful about our politicians. And if you don't elect Bernie, he should come be our prime minister. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is not doing too bad so far. Well, uh, I, it, this was never going to be uh, a, a contest. This was never going to be a contest between the Democrats and the Republicans because the Republicans have completely devolved. Uh, I mean, I mean, as individuals. When you see the, the Republican clown car and you see all their candidates, there's 17 candidates, there was not one decent thinking person that they could put a mass in that whole group. I mean, of all of the candidates, probably the best among them was Jeb Bush, who was the lesser brother of George W. Bush, who was, who was on record now as being our worst president in American history. So the lesser brother of our worst president is their best candidate. That's amazing because I, I, I don't know. I was under the impression that Jeb was supposed to be the better brother. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and Jeb also had the the highest financed presidential campaign. He had you know buckets of money, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars put into this, and yet he still couldn't find three people to rub together and vote for him. Yeah, especially and that it, clip that says "Please clap." You know, when you <laughs> exactly. <laughs> my my favorite one was where he pulls up in his entourage of you know his like seven black uh, SUVs because that's what you need when you're one person traveling alone. Uh, <laughs> he he gets out of this um, this gas station and you can see him calling off to somebody on camera and he says, "Who are you voting for?" With a big smile, she goes, "I haven't decided yet." And he goes, "Oh come on." <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, we did, we did weed out and get rid of a lot worse people. I mean, everybody's terrified of Trump. But, you know, Trump, the brilliant thing about Trump is that he, he doesn't really believe his own nonsense, except for the fact that he thinks he's great. His narcissism is real. He really does think he's and he's, a, he's an example of the Dunning-Kruger effect because he has absolutely no competence at all for this job. He doesn't know what a policy is. So there's nothing he can do for our country. But there was a lot of other candidates that were vying against him that would have done great damage on purpose 
for a kind of, he can do great damage accidentally because he's an idiot. But the other guys were going to do it on purpose. And <laughs> Ted Cruz, <laughs> <laughs> far more dangerous. There was a there was a uh, an interview with Ted Cruz sitting on stools next to his father a year or two ago, and his father, oh, man. his father, said not only you know has he argued against evolution heavily and all of this, but he also said that that atheists and homosexuals should be put in concentration camps until we go extinct. So, uh, what did what did uh, Ted Cruz say to correct his father when he said nothing? He's just sitting there nodding because this is the way Ted Cruz was raised. This is the way Ted Cruz believes. This is why I'm really glad he didn't make it. And a lot of people don't realize that Kasich, just as batshit as Cruz, he's just not as outspoken about it. So people were thinking, well, Kasich would be the reasonable. No, no, he's the quiet one. He's not reasonable. He's more insane. Yeah, but Rafael Cruz is the kind of guy who stares at a can of orange juice because it says concentrate. I am going to invite uh, Ted Cruz to have an interview with me and I'm sure he's going to turn it down because every time I try to talk to politicians they always turn me down and my wife says it's probably because I don't know how to sell it so I'm going to let her write the invitation because my my first run at the at the invitation was you know uh, something along the lines you know I know you know you might not uh, want to talk to me because it would hurt your career but hopefully your career is over now. <laughs> I can't imagine why he would you know re- reject that. I think you should just pull up with your bike at his door, his front door. You know, take off your helmet, take off your your leathers, and say, "Hey, Ted, <laughs> let's have a beer." <laughs> yeah, what? Well, no, I couldn't have a beer with Ted. I mean, you know, I, I, well, I you am have sus- a beer and Ted can have his... I'm immune to most things, but I, I have noticed that, that uh, you know he does have the world's most punchable face, and I don't want to create... <laughs> <laughs> oh, and uh, we, we wish, as uh, while you're here, as uh, Canadians, we wish to distance ourselves from Ted Cruz in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> I don't care if he was born here at some part. There's no part of him that's Canadian yeah, whatsoever. He was, I was in Calgary a couple of days ago, and, and they were apologizing for... for <laughs> Because he was born there, and I, went, I also went to uh, Brisbane, Australia, and I addressed an audience down there, and they apologized for Ken Ham. <laughs> <laughs> we should all kick in and buy a bunch of dildos and then mail them to Ted Cruz. <laughs> <laughs> the and if anybody doesn't tell her, not necessarily those who left at the Valley They never are. But speaking of dildos, what a great way to protest something! You remember when that bunch See what of Mormon you did there, Tyler? <laughs> going on dildos. That, that bunch of Mormon extremists, you know, take over that bird sanctuary. Yes. You know, and and, and so they, they ask people to send them food, and they, instead they got hundreds and hundreds of dildos. <laughs> <laughs> and then they decide the only thing that they can do with these dildos is to try to sell them on eBay. <laughs> so and they're they're trying to do this to protest the people that gave them. But the very idea that you have a bunch of Mormons who are selling dildos on eBay is great. <laughs> Several, several shows ago when this uh, whole crisis was going on, I did a fake PSA that I played on the, on the air. It was like, uh, you know that, that song, on the, on the Wings of an Angel? You know that little song they use for, On the Wings of an Angel? Yes, I don't listen to music like that. Okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> they, they use that song whenever they do some kind of fundraising for, for starving children in Africa, you know? And they say, only you, you can help them, you can save them now for less than the price of a coffee. You know, they always have this, 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 this horrible promotion they send out there. And I did the same thing with with the, these people in the bird sanctuary, but we're just saying, you know, you can save these rednecks, you know, by sending them stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so your pick for the, uh, you're, you're a Bernie fan, obviously. Yes, absolutely, yes. And the reason is because I think he's the only real candidate. And, I mean, you have a whole bunch of people that are obviously incompetent, theocrats and so forth, that have no business being in it. Ted, uh, 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 Trump initially didn't actually want to be president. He was just doing this as a joke. Because, you know, to feed his narcissism. And then when he started saying outrageous things, it was because it was just a joke. And then the outrageous things appealed to my sadly degenerate country. And so uh, he saw that this was actually going to win him the presidency. And then his narcissism took over. And now he really wants to be the president, but only so that he can say that he is. I don't think he gives a damn about anything except, you know, being able to label himself and brag that he held the office. Now, on the other side, the Democratic side, where this entire fight always has been, it has been between somebody that we, we you know, Harvard has, uh, has announced that we are no longer a democratic republic, that the United States has now degenerated into oligarchy, meaning that the country is not governed by the vote of the people, but rather by uh, a few millionaires and big corporations. They're the ones that call the shots. They very clearly have their candidate, 
you know, their candidate who, do, who you know, they do all their funding for her. They will promote only her. This is why, you know, you never see anything positive about Bernie on CNN. It's because Bernie is, you know, CNN is owned by Time Warner, and Time Warner is uh, one of Hillary Clinton's seventh largest supporters, for example. So the media companies, this is a lot, true of a lot of the media companies, they're, they're beholden to her. They're not in her pocket. She is in theirs. So they're they're using her essentially as a puppet. Now a lot of people have ad- have advocated that um, that American presidents really are just puppets that you don't have any sincere candidates. In this case, I think it's demonstrably true. Hillary is a puppet, and that she's uh, owned by corporations. So she will do exactly what she is paid to do. Under her, we will not get the education we need. We will not get the healthcare system that we need that other civilized countries get. Marijuana will still be illegal and we will still have private prisons. Electing her only means that we will have more war and that we will have more fracking because she has no concern about the environment. If it doesn't make her money, she wants to do fracking worldwide. She's not going to improve anything. People are wanting to vote for her because they're afraid that Trump will make things worse. She's making things worse. She's just not going to make it worse on a scale that he will. And this is a, a really a sad choice for us to have to make, especially when we have a candidate for once in my life who is actually a, a motivated humanitarian who actually wants to do the right thing for the people. And we can show, if you go back 30 years looking at videos of, of Hillary and videos of Bernie, you can see that every decision, every wrong decision the United States has done, you can find footage of Bernie trying to stop it, and you can find footage of Hillary getting funding for it. So hmm. this is my perspective on that. I've got a little pet theory. Um, I've been saying for the longest time now to anybody who's been listening to the show that I think all this, we've, we've just taken a 40-year detour into conservative politics, and it all started pretty much with Ronald Reagan in the States. It was Brian Mulroney up here and Thatcher in the U.K. Yep. It seems now that we're finally coming to an end with this. I mean, right now our prime minister is, you know, he's 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 pretty uh, liberal in in many in many aspects. He's not perfect, but he's doing a hell of a job so far. Uh, and Bernie Sanders in the states and all the stuff that's happening a- across Europe. Are we finally seeing the end of Reaganomics and that that mode of thinking? Well, you know, as I said, that George W. Bush is on the record of being our worst president, but I've seen economists who are saying that it was actually Ronald Reagan was our worst president because he he did the most financial damage and the most long-term damage. This is arguable, you know, with with what Bush did versus what what Reagan did. You know, there's a toss-up between which of these two Republican heroes is actually our worst president ever. But yeah, this you know, the Bernie wants to go back to a tax system that we had pre-Reagan, back when America was a was a very wealthy country and the middle class soared. You know, he wants to go back to this kind of a, a economic system that people in America now don't even seem to remember 40 years ago. Yeah, if you read the second Bill of Rights, which was written by uh, FDR, mm-hmm. it sounds very Bernie Sanders-like. Yeah, Bernie Sanders is supposed to be the next FDR. And see, FDR did a, a contested convention, and he won that convention so that he still got the nomination. And this is what Bernie is attempting to do now. He's either going to get his policies on the table or he's going to get the nomination through a contested convention. Now, if my country was as smart as I wish they were, then Hillary would not be the nomination because we know that she got, okay, she brags about having like three million more votes than Bernie, but then we also have numerous accusations of various different types of voter fraud in every one of the states that she that she's won, including some that have gone already to, to court and ruled that, yes, voter fraud did happen. It did only affect the, the Democrats, and of course it's only pr- preferring Hillary over Bernie, but we're not going to do any investigation of that or prosecution of that until after the election in November. This is what they said in Chicago. This is what they said in Arizona. So they're not going to do anything about it until it's too late is essentially what they're saying. They're going to go ahead and get their candidate, Hillary, on, on, in, in power, which means that the incremental change that she says she'll do is going to be too little, too late. We need to take a lot of immediate action, especially when we're talking about the environment. There's a lot of things we need to do and we need to do now. So electing her means depriving us of the programs that the rest of the country, the rest of the world has that we should have too. How dare we imagine that we're the best country and that we're leading the nation where we're behind everybody else? This is a disturbing thing for me because I would like to believe in my country the way my family did. And I'm, I'm just going to call myself down. I'm overheating. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. Uh, I mean, Amer- America has been, uh, I know when and whenever I talk to Americans, there's always, you know, that USA, USA, we're number one, we're number one. But then, you, you know, 
trying to be polite, I tried to ask him, you number one in what exactly? <laughs> well, yeah. well, and another thing, since we mentioned Bernie and in, in other countries, we've been to a whole bunch of different countries here in the last 14 months, as I said, and everybody we talked to about politics is like everybody in this room. All of you guys individually said, you know, we're Bernie supporters. If I was American, I'd vote Bernie. This is everybody everywhere. There are people in India that were talking to me about this. They said, what? They, and the conversation always goes kind of the same way. Wow, Trump, what a walking disaster. Well, you really can't have him. Wow, Bernie, Bernie's the guy you need. Hillary never even comes into the conversation no. because she's too far right for them. Yeah, yeah. And she's clearly not what we need. So, I mean, in, in the United States, you can't say these things because, you know, then you're some kind of a, a sycophant worshiper of Sanders as if that was applicable or true. And again, <laughs> you know, we're, we're very impeded on what we can say in the United States. But his ideas are actually working in other countries. Like, if you actually look up the most pro- prosperous countries, the countries with the best education yes, system, lowest yes. crime, best health care. And I've they been there. Work. They're, all, they're all socialized. <laughs> the, Absolutely. The, the health care thing is mind-boggling to me. I cannot understand how you guys can still have that system down there. Whenever I visit customers in the States, because I do a bit of business in the States, I usually tell them i got to be extremely nice to you because as a Canadian, I cannot afford for you to punch my lights out and to wake up in a Seattle hospital. I just can't do it. Well, well, you got, go ahead. Remember that joke I made, Kevin, when we were talking about it's basically like if we owned a fire department that was run for profit? No, well, no. business business is slow. Let's go set some people's houses on fire. That's kind of the same <laughs> thing with the health care there. It, it's motive for, you know, yeah, so the profit the from pain. So as I said, you know, Hillary's been on the wrong side of history for all these different things where she refused to re- uh, promote gay marriage until the populace demanded that she promote gay marriage. And then her owners say, okay, well, you should, you're going to need to have to do this now because this is, the, this is the favored position. But that's still not the case with marijuana legalization because she gets money from private prisons, right? So she needs to have money. She needs to have marijuana stay illegal. So she's going to give all kinds of evasive answers on why that needs to stay illegal. And it's because of where the money's coming from. It has nothing to do with what is right or what the science indicates. And this is why she's not a candidate. She's not going to judge like a human being. She's not making judgments. She's doing what she's paid to do. Yeah, private prisons should be illegal. That's just a disaster. It's the fire department thing, like I just said. Mm-hmm. Aaron Lalandro, thank you so much for coming with us uh, here in the Fraser Valley. All it costed me was uh, a couple of beers and uh, a nice ride, so that was nice. <laughs> but please take a couple of minutes, plug yourself, be shameless, my friend. Go right ahead. Well, thank you very much. As I said, I'm a, a professional activist at this point. We do educational videos on Patreon, or uh, and uh, we also do uh, activism videos, of course. Uh, the presentations that I do get uploaded there as well. We do, of course, the Raw Man podcast as well. And uh, our membership, if you want to sign on with Patreon, you can offer, you can adjust this for different amounts. But at the basic level, I'd like to see people donate $1 per video. It's easy to sign up for that. And we, we make about a half a dozen videos per month. So that would be $6 per month out of your pocket. And it's certainly helpful for us. This is what we do for a living now. Awesome. You want to say anything, dear? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> he said it all. He said it all. She's Thank- shaking her head and waving her hands. No, no, not me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, guys. Um, you can always catch up on Facebook, leftofthevalley.com. Tyler, were you saying something here? Yeah, I didn't get to ask my question. Well, yeah, hurry up, man. I, I, just wanted, I just wanted to critique of this idea that I had that I think would probably cure a lot of things. I think maybe some people might be like neurologically prone to willful ignorance. But what do you think about teaching logical fallacies in elementary school and if that would have like a big impact on people turning out to be science deniers and creationists and uh, Republican supporters. Well in 2012 the, the Texas Republican Party actually wrote in their guidelines that for education that they did not want to teach critical thinking or any higher level thinking skills that was actually in their platform. Well, I found a kid's book. I think the website was like Geek Dad or something. I posted it in our group, and it's like a children's book that explains, a children's book of bad arguments or something, and mm-hmm. it teaches logical fallacies, and I would love to start a petition or something to get that introduced into the school curriculum, because I would we need to prevent these people from happening or being, rather than fighting against them once they're already Ken Hams. I would dearly love for them to replace some of the uh, more superfluous classes, perhaps one of the more superfluous classes in high school with a philosophy class, because philosophy Philosophy does help with your, your thinking logically. And Absolutely. Just, yeah, if not just te- teaching logic as well. But as I said, the, the Republican Party doesn't want that. They've actually advocated in writing that they don't want any higher order thinking skills taught to their kids, specifically because, and this is in the platform too, they don't want it to challenge their fixed beliefs. 
So can we do something about? Is there anything that we can actually do to try to get it included in curriculum? This or? is this is a grassroots thing. It actually matters. Whatever you know, it, a lot of people say that their vote doesn't count, but yeah, it does. On the grassroots level, it's always you know the the people's level that raises the change. It's never an administrative thing. The administrators do what the populace wants them to do, and that's why the Pope has had to change his policies, even though the Catholic Church is supposed to be in charge of everything. When people's outrage don't allow the Pope to do these things or say these things, then he has to bend with their will. Excellent. Thank you so much, guys. And that's a topic for another show for sure. Like I said, leftofthevalue.com. Follow us. Soon coming down the pipe, we've got Phil Ferguson, Russell Glasser, Tracy Harris, etc., etc. Until next time, guys. Take a sec, don't mean it sounds so-